Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, we are, I mean, what, 10 days away now from football. Can you believe that we are here almost down to single digits? I, I wonder who all the uh, 10 pictures will be today, 10 days away. Anybody got a guess? Oh, I think it might be a guy that uh, went to Houston Madison High School and <laughs> had a uh, national championship ring on his finger and yeah. that sort of thing. What do y'all think, Blake? I, I think that's a pretty good guess. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with that one by any means. <laughs> hey, by the way, I love all the hookums every day, the good mornings from where you're from. I've seen a couple of golden triangles. I'm going to be over there a little later today, guys. That's where I'm headed after I leave uh, Lafayette this morning. So I uh, run, might run into some people over there in PNG or PAM or Beaumont United. You never know. <laughs> hey, Jerry, uh, tell us. Let's, let's start with that because that's probably the bigger news. Uh, coming out of yesterday, in my opinion, and that's the uh, uh, the run-in and meeting you had with Dominic McKinley, his coach over there at Acadiana High School, the five-star defensive lineman. Uh, Texas is in the thick of it, but man, it sounds like everybody's in the thick of it right now for Dominic McKinley with his decision roughly nine days away now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, nine days away. Um, he announces September 1st. Uh, th that's five-star, number 22 overall, Dominic McKinley. Uh, Guam's in the building. That's awesome. Out of Acadiana High. I was over there yesterday afternoon uh, for a couple hours. And look, when he put out that September 1 date, um, all the schools started scrambling, right? I mean, everybody. I mean, Oklahoma was in contact multiple times with multiple people yesterday. Todd Bates at, at Acadiana High. I, I just overheard that when I was just walking around yesterday. So all the schools are uh, in, they're trying to figure out where they sit right now in this recruitment. The one thing I got yesterday, and we'll see if this person's correct. You never know in our business um, was the feeling was the close to home has become a real factor. And that leads down the path of A&M, Texas and LSU. We'll see if that ends up being the case. If Dom puts out a top three, top two, and even if he does, still five finalists. Um, he's playing it. Dom's playing it close to the vest. I talked to him for a few minutes, as he should, ahead of his announcement. Um, but he's playing it close to the vest. He won't even really come out and tell you what his deciding factors are because he thinks it could give away what he's thinking. Uh, the other interesting thing with his recruitment is within the family circle, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they have the same ideas. On, on what the best place for Dom is. Uh, that'll be interesting to follow here down the stretch as well. But I did, according to one person I talked to, which has pretty been pretty dialed in, they do think close to home is becoming a factor um, late in this recruitment. That that doesn't mean Larry Johnson, Todd Bates, OU, Ohio State have given up at all. Doesn't mean he couldn't surprise people. But I do tend to agree with this person that close to home is going to make a lot of sense for Dominic as this gets closer because his brother Darius is a 2026 prospect. He has Friday night games two years for the next two years after Dominic graduates high school. That makes Saturday travel pretty difficult on a mom. Hey, Jerry, I've got a question for you that I wanted, wanted to go down real quick. Um, and that is, you know, you went in there and we thought it was Texas OU along with A&M and LSU, you're coming out of there thinking it may be A&M, LSU more involved than previously thought. That's my understanding from talking to you last night. You agree with that? 
Yeah, I mean, look, if this person I talked to is correct, then yes. Um, I, I, Dominic won't come out and say that. Uh, but if the person I talked to is correct, then yeah, that, that's where this thing could head at the end of the day. Um, it feels like the close to home component. Obviously, an engineering major, uh, Dominic McKinley, that's what he's going to be. Uh, but I just think to somewhere that's driving distance for the mom is going to be big down the stretch of this recruitment. But for the reasons I said, I mean, Darius is going to play Friday night games the first two years Dominic's in college. That makes getting on a plane and traveling somewhere on a Saturday very difficult. And she's also in education. So it's not like she can just she, – she is in school all day, every day through Friday. Then Darius has games. Then that makes for sat tough Saturday travel because what if Darius has uh, some stuff at Acadiana – high on Saturday mornings. So there's a lot of factors that are going into this recruitment that leads to close to home possibly and potentially and likely winning out. But close to home is driving distance, by the way. I'm not, the close to home doesn't mean LSU necessarily. It just means driving distance. That's what I was actually about to ask because Champ Bailey 3 says, Jerry, if close to home is the key, does that not make LSU the favorite? I think driving distance is, is the favorite. There you go. All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get those questions in. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. And then, of course, head on over to InsideTexas.com after this for all the latest and greatest Longhorn I'm sorry, <laughs> coverage. So we got some super chats rolling in. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get to one of those. Travis Earl says, how does Texas O-line compare to Bama's D-line and vice versa? And how do our receivers fare against Bama's secondary? Boy, I, I'm going to take this one. The, the Texas O-line versus the Bama D-line is – I think the Bama D-line has the advantage. Just going to put that out there. I think everybody they put out on the defensive front uh, in two rotations will play NFL football. Let's just put it that way. And a couple of them, at least one of them, is expected to be a top-10 pick in Dallas Turner. Right, Jerry? Yeah, so no doubt. So even with Texas returning five starters, this is a – absolute strength of the Alabama team, probably above every other thing else they've got going on. I mean, I'm just trying to keep it real here. So Texas offensive line is going to have its work cut out for it. So keep that in mind. Texas's defensive line should be better than Alabama's offensive line, but Alabama has more experience uh, at the upper levels that are going to be high-end draft picks. They've got a right guard and right tackle that are both going to be likely first rounders. So let's let's keep that in mind as well. And then uh, how do our receivers fare against Bama secondary? Jerry and Blake, this is one an interesting one for me. And the reason I say that is because we don't really know what Bama's going to do on defense because last year they tried to play Quinn Ewers man. Yeah. And it did and it didn't work, Jerry and Blake. No. So they're no. going to do something different this year what that looks like is is fair to to guess and and talk about uh etc yeah i think uh the, the main thing is you know also is kool-aid mckinstry potential first round pick uh so he'll be locked up on one of texas's talented receivers xavier worthy ad mitchell um but you know look th that that's where I think Bama goes into this against Texas with a little bit of unknown because they didn't see a Texas team that had three legitimate wideouts with experience that they had to be concerned about and a tight end. Remember, Jatavion Sanders wasn't the Jatavion Sanders we know last year when Bama came to Austin. 
That kind of happened over the course of the season. So Alabama, they're familiar with A.D. Mitchell, and they're familiar enough with Xavier Worthy and Jordan Winnington. But, you know, they're looking at Texas and say, whoa, this is a different team than we played against last year in August as far as – or September as far as the possibilities they can attack – the ways they can attack the field. I've said – the whole time, Texas O-line, this is an O-line game for Texas. I really believe that. They're going to have to pass pro, especially if they're Texas is in more 11 personnel. But I think the, the key for uh, Sark in that game is going to be changing personnel a lot and keeping, keeping Bama guessing. Hey guys, before we move on, Bobby, one thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, is your interview yesterday with Kevin L. Type. It was very interesting. He had a whole lot to say, but I was just curious some of your takeaways and maybe what you found the most interesting about what he had. Yeah, absolutely, Blake. I, so I, I don't know if he, pe- some people probably saw it. It was an interview with Kevin L. Type. L. Type is the chair of the Board of Regents of the University of Texas. He has done some tremendous things while being the chair of the Board of Regents. The new MD Anderson announcement, they're having an MD Anderson cancer hospital in Austin where the drum used to be at the Irwin Center. He said it's they're going to put two hospitals on that on that property for a cost of two point five billion. I mean, I look, I'm going to talk a little bit about the SEC move and Big 12 and some things he said there. But let's be clear, a, a cancer hospital in central Texas will likely save lives. Just. This, I mean, just whenever we think about this and football and all this other stuff, I, I've had a my my grandfather was at MD Anderson in Houston. Uh, it he he had lung cancer, but it took him five years to pass away because of everything that MD Anderson did, in my opinion. But my point being, that's just such a huge accomplishment, and uh, appreciate him for doing that in the state of Texas and for Central Texas at large. The next piece uh, that that he talked about was the SEC move. He said that Del Conte had put it on his radar early in uh, L-Type's term as chairman. Uh, and so it started much earlier than anybody anticipated or thought of. I found that interesting. And then probably the most interesting thing of all, which was fun for me, I was talking about is Texas going to get kind of shafted on the way out with uh, some penalties, right, from the, the, the officials and whatnot. He, I asked him about the horns down being a penalty and he went off. <laughs> he was like, I don't th- I think that's the silliest thing of all time. I loved it because I agree. It's like a, it's, I a, love it. it's a respect thing, right? It is I mean, the horns down. Now there's a, there's a, there's the level of taunting, right? You don't, that's not uh, that's not fair per se, but I love the fact that the leader of the university of Texas system is like saying, bring it on. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're all here for guys. So I, I felt like that was really good. And uh, he's a, a a really positive leader, I think, uh, for the University of Texas. I, I, I want to add one more thing that I really liked about him, Jerry and Blake and, and everybody out there. I think he's a consensus builder. Like it was clear. If I know you guys listened to it. It was clear that it wasn't just him making decisions. It was him. It was Del Conte, Jay Hartzell, the president, a group of other people on the board of regents, they're all trying to row the boat in the same direction to the benefit of the University of Texas. And uh, I, I thought he, he was just an impressive guy, fun guy, lighthearted. 
that that kind of thing. Jerry, what do you, what do you and Blake think? I'm interested a little bit. Well, I, I, there was a comment that was just interesting. Mike Beans Bean said because there won't be any horns down in the SEC. That's all Texas is going to see in the SEC. I mean these <laughs> these other teams can't wait. Their fan bases can't wait to do it, and I think it's great. I love it. I mean, you want to be. Do you want to be the team people are talking about in some way, form, or fashion? If nobody's talking about you, mm, <laughs> not normally good. It's not oh, as fun. Go play, oh, we got to go play Vanderbilt, but maybe I'll see a couple of good country concerts while I'm there <laughs> uh, you know, Friday night. I mean, who would you rather be? Hey, by the I way, agree. somebody – by the way, somebody mentioned Caleb, Texas attacking Caleb Downs, the Alabama freshman safety. I want to point something out about Caleb Downs. He is a true freshman. He's not your average true freshman. His dad is a Division I defensive back coach. Okay? Caleb Downs is not your normal freshman safety in college football. He has been groomed for this for a while. And I talked to his father last year when Texas was kind of trying to get in that recruitment and, and I asked him, I said, take your dad glasses off as a coach. What makes Caleb a really good player? And he said he has got a great understanding for the position. He said he really understands. his. He has really good eyes for the position. So, look, does that mean he's going to be perfect? No. Will teams try to attack him? Obviously, he's a freshman. But I do want to say, I don't think he's the average freshman at safety in college football. He's a really, really, really good football player. And we'll find out soon enough as Texas heads to Alabama in week two. And uh, guys, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about our sponsor this morning. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Blake. Uh, you know, these these live streams and stuff are brought to you by different sponsors. Uh, we're, we're basically having a different sponsor every day, and we appreciate them. We have both local and national sponsors. And this is a national one that I actually use quite a bit. And it's called Factor. If you haven't heard of it, they are a meal program uh, that allows you to basically get meal plans uh, delivered to your doorstep. Uh, so with a busy football season just around the corner, you might be looking for convenient, healthy meals for jam-packed days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. They're fresh, never frozen they're also calorie conscious meals, which helps me. My wife and I, we keep four or five factor meals a week in the fridge for when we just don't cook uh, because it's quick and easy. I'm personally a big fan of their chicken dishes. I'm not really sure how they do it, but it tastes better than when I or my wife make them. Uh, these meals are fresh again and never frozen. And there's 34 different weekly meals to choose from, and they're all ready to eat in just two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash Texas 50. And use code TEXAS50 to get 50% off. That's code TEXAS50 at factormeals.com forward slash TEXAS50 to get 50% off. This August, get Factor and enjoy eating well. Remember what I said about the chicken. I'm not kidding, guys. It is legit. And it uh, it's, it's like I said, the fresh, never frozen thing really works for me personally. I appreciate you guys listening. Give Factor a try if you can. All right, don't forget that promo code. Okay, guys, we got some more, a lot of Alabama talk this morning. Uh, so I'm going to go to this super chat from Football Junkie. And he says, with Bama being a run-heavy team, what do you guys predict our front seven lineup being on defense? 
This is great. This is a great, great question, question, Jerry, because great guess what? I'm mean, Eric Nalene did a, a nice one yesterday. If you didn't get a chance to see Inside Texas, guys, we need to go over this to the the uh, fronts or the uh, the projected depth chart on offense, I think would be good as a topic uh, yeah. in between questions. Uh, but a run heavy team. Uh, I right now will see uh, Byron Murphy, uh, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Baron Sorrells, Ethan Burke. And then I, I still say you play base nickel with Jade Barron, uh, David Benda, and Jalen Ford. Now, that will be the starting. The question comes, and, and Jerry, this is where you and I come out at. Take Ethan Burke off the field. Put uh, 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 Alfred Collins. Collins in. And then, <laughs> and then potentially bring in uh, Anthony Hill or Maurice Blackwell for Jade Barron. That would be a different front seven lineup, right, guys? Um, and Jerry, that's that, what, what are your thoughts on that? But I think I, they start with base nickel. Agree. And then convert. Look, it's 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 up to I think you're obviously you're gonna have switching fronts, right? You're gonna you can't play the same way the whole game. Um, but I do think if Texas has success in their base defense uh early then uh, that'll be interesting. Ian, Ian Boyd's talked about Bama going maybe double tight early in that game. So it's going to be a chess match. That's all we love it. That's why it's fun. Um, but, I, you know, I think I think the interesting thing there is can Texas get away with playing more of their base in that, in that game, especially as it goes on? Because the one, the, the one issue with playing the big three-man front, too many snaps, is what's going to be left for those guys as far as, far as energy in the fourth quarter. So that's where the chess match is. I mean, you can't sit there. There's a reason they have a rotation. You can't walk into Tuscaloosa with those big guys leaning on you and expect Sweat, Murphy, and Collins to play 60 snaps each. That's not going to work or win. Uh, so Texas is going to have to change it up. They're going to have to mix it up. Um, and, and so it'll be interesting to see. I think we'll see enough of the big three-man front to where they can be effective uh, against the run. Uh, we're going to stay on the Alabama topic for a minute. Ryan from Shiner says, who spies Milro? You know, I'm, I, it'll be interesting to see if he actually has a spy. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know on that for sure, Bobby. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Um, Nobody really matches up well with him as a spy. Of the three that would be likely, Jerry. Yeah. Anthony Hill, Jalen Ford even, Maurice Blackwell. Okay. He's faster than Ford. Okay. And, and you don't want to take Ford out of pass coverage. Right. 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 So, yep. so let's, you know, let's pass on that. Blackwell, Milrow will break that tackle too often, in my opinion, because he is a strong dude now. Yeah. Like he's a lower body. Like he could be a running back, right? Like a true. And then uh, Anthony Hill, I mean, he's a freshman. Right. He's going to over. I hate to say this because I don't want to put like some freshmen. This doesn't happen to uh, Jerry, but most of them, uh, when they when they go through this process, they actually over ex have over expectations of themselves. Right? They feel like they can do things that they may not be able to do as well, and all of a sudden the guy's ten yards behind them. Right? Um, I don't. This is a great question. Jade Barron's not it. Um, he's, he, he Jade's a, a good tackler, but 
Milrow is a 220-pound runner. I mean, he's, he's a good runner. That's yeah. a good question, Ryan. Um, and they may not do it. They may just do rush three and drop eight. Maybe what they do. And that leads me to this next question, Bobby, uh, from Archmania. He says, do they pressure Milrow or bracket contain? I bet they try to pressure him from the outside to keep making move up in the pocket. Does that, does that sound right to you guys? And and then go from there and then try to contain him. I I would. I would play a lot of zone against him and make him be a, a passer of the football and try to get upfield away from those tackles and make, make quick decisions. That's what I would try to do, Blake. Okay, and then we got one more Bama-related question here from Gus Fleener, and he says, if Alabama is going to try to run the ball down our throats, as many expect, shouldn't we try running a traditional 4-3 with both Blackwell and Benda on the field at the same time? But they are going to do that some. That's what I said. Sometimes they'll run uh, – instead. they'll take out Jade Barron and put in Mo Blackwell, and that would be a traditional 4-3, and perhaps take out Ethan Burke and insert – Alfred Collins at the same time. And that's your, that's your bigger package for Texas against them. I agree, Gus. Okay, guys, Jerry, this question is for you. Uh, and I actually saw it last night. I wanted to get to it, but we just had so many. It's from King me. He says, which Collins gets more snaps, the defensive tackle or the defensive end version? <laughs> I, I assume he means bam a game. Oh, no, um, just period. I think, I think he, this, say, do both do both. Well, because I think both are interesting. Period of the season, it's D tackle for sure. Um, I, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, um, because of his improvement and the way this Texas staff's talking about him, we talked to Nathan O'Neill, uh, the, the great D line trainer, trains a bunch of guys for the draft that's worked with Alfred, and he said Alfred is Alfred is less choppy feet, more vertical this year. That makes him a different level disruptive force as an interior player, if that carries over to the games consistently. And I think that's why he's more consistent this year. I think he's more of a disruptive force because he's getting vertical uh, more instead of uh, choppy feet. If he does that, then he's a different – then interior is where I think he can make the biggest difference for Texas. Um, so I think D-tackle overall. I think maybe Alabama game, maybe Kansas State. May, maybe that's a split between – D, D tackle and D end. Uh, but I, I still think D tackle uh, will be the majority of his snaps this season. Hey, if Jerry, I have one, gone wrong. I have a question for you that's separate from this. It's a, a recruiting question right now. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on Wardell Mack coming in for the rice game? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wardell told Sam Spiegelman on three, Sam Spiegelman Monday that he's planning on being at the Texas rice game, September 2nd. I mean, this was a week after he committed to Florida. Yeah. I mean, look, that's why we say recruit through the whistle, right? And that means Texas commits will show up somewhere else this year. It's just part of the process. These coaching staffs know it. Um, look, Wardell, and I, that was that was the fear on the Florida side in this recruitment, guys. I mean, Corey Raymond, Jabbar Jaluk, they have a lot of experience recruiting in Louisiana, right? Now, they fear LSU long term, but that's kind of the fear is, okay, Florida gets a commitment from Wardell Mack, but his recruiting process doesn't stop. And it's much easier to get some other places than back to Gainesville, Florida for a game, which he'll be at, I'm sure. But right now he's planning to be at Texas Rice, game September 2nd, Miami, Florida State. He said he'll go to an LSU game. 
You know he's going to show up on LSU's campus at some point. So this is a recruit through the whistle. Texas has not given up. They're going to stay in contact. They're going to keep going after their A-list guys, as we call them. And uh, we don't ever expect that to change under Steve Sarkeesian and the staff, and nor should it, because when you're a blue blood program, if you you keep swinging at those guys, and if you miss, you go to the portal. I I think it's a pretty simple formula uh, for the blue blood schools this year. And Sark and the staff are – they have the correct strategy on this. So we'll see what happens long-term with Mac. I'm not sure Florida was necessarily the pick of the circle around him, which will be interesting to see if that makes an impact long-term. But everybody wants their kid to be happy. Okay, you talked about him coming in for the Rice game. Well, we have a couple of Rice questions. And uh, this first one is from the Inside Texas Forums. It's from Duffy's 16. He says, with Rice wanting to play the ground-and-pound Michigan-type game and a more experienced quarterback at the helm, are we underestimating them a bit? I expect to win, but don't think the starters will get a full half off like many are predicting. They are a physical team. What's your thoughts? Oh, I think that everybody under underestimates Rice. I mean, that. yes. Now, does that mean that they shouldn't underestimate Rice? <laughs> That's a different story, right? Um, you know, they are physical. Um, can they find a way to run the ball against Texas effectively? Because JT Daniels, he's a good player, but I don't know that Rice has receivers that that will bother Texas. Uh, now, if they can run and have receivers, that's a different story. Uh, but Pete Kwiatkowski last year did not have a problem stopping the run against power run teams. Alabama included, right? And so I don't know if I think everybody underestimates Rice year in year out. Now some of that the the reason for that is is well deserved. So you can say it's not even underestimation; it's just reality. the The point being, everybody's looking forward to Game Two. We hope the Longhorns aren't. Uh, and uh, actually, I think Rice, because of their style of play, is actually a good precursor for Texas because they'll get a lot of smash mouth at least attempts at it right out of the gate Blake my my key for Texas in that game is first down run defense if Rice doesn't get anything going on first downs in the run game not that they're going to run it every time you got to make sense but if they don't have any success on first down run on the football I think it's gonna be a long day for Rice because JT Daniels is a pocket guy and he will give you opportunities with interceptions I think in the pocket if he's got pressure and sacks. Yeah. Okay, we got another question here, and it's kind of related to your answer just now, Bobby. Uh, this one from Bob P. He says, in the last, the Horns have played to their level of competition. Up to Bama, but sl- start slow for other teams. What's your thoughts on how they come out against Rice? I hope we come out fired up. Um, I don't think there's any question, Blake, that they will be fired up. So I, I, it's, it is a... Um, uh, it is a situation where Texas is, I mean, they've got too many young guys on the team not to be fired up for their first college football game. They're also going to be fired up. It's going to be 2.30 in the afternoon, guys. So you don't want them to be too fired up and be tired as you know what by 5.30 in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, there could be a lag. I thought there was a lag last year against Louisiana Monroe. Even with the block punt right out of the gate, uh, Keelan Robinson, I, I felt like there was a little lag there. 
so, you know, looking towards Alabama maybe last year as well. What do you think, Jerry? I think this team is going to come out fired up, uh, physical. Um, I think the offense is going to be like, whew, man, we, we don't have to scrimmage the Texas defense. Uh, <laughs> we actually get to play against Rice. Uh, I think this team's going to come out fired up, ready to roll. Um, I don't think – I mean – Something would have to drastically happen for me for Texas to be in a game against Rice, maybe turnovers. Uh, maybe the ball doesn't bounce their way a couple times early. Something fumble, pump return, something to give Rice some momentum. But I think this team's going to come out fired up, physical, um, and I think they're motivated with something to prove this year. They know 8-5 and five was a good record last year coming off 5-7, and seven, but I, I think they know they're better. Hey, Blake, bring that last comment up. That last comment, the drop of 50-burger on them. Uh, here we go, right here, from Champ Bailey 3. <laughs> we can play sloppy and underestimate Rice and still should be able to drop a 50-burger on them. Have either any of y'all ever heard the term a 50-burger before? <laughs> I, I think that's not. the first time I've heard that term. <laughs> that, may catch, that may catch on because it's actually kind of good. Sorry about that. Thanks. I agree with Jerry. They got to come out big. They just got too many guys right now, guys. I mean, just uh, Britt Rasko saying they, they've got so much competition that they're they're playing for their jobs. That's that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a team come out completely flat for a season opener either. Have you guys? I don't remember that. Especially no. not one at home. No, I can't remember. Well, I mean, Maryland. Oof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's not get but let's not get into giving up 51 at home against Maryland. Oh, oh or man. on the road. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if that if there are two games that encapsulate the Tom Herman experience more, tell me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry guys. The comments are like sorry, what Bobby asked. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, y'all. We got a couple of uh, super chats we need to get to. This first first one from Poke Casino, a Herman burger. Somebody, that <laughs> <laughs> was a Herman 50, 50 piece burger. Oh, <laughs> all right. Poke says hook them all day, every day. Nino's corner in the house. Everything on Texas football is doing and bringing on raw and makes them national champs for coverage. In my eyes, I thank agree. you. I, I, hey. I, <laughs> I, I got to say this, Jerry. I watched you and Rod and Blake last night. You and Rod have really good chemistry together. Okay. Uh, Y'all, I, I really I enjoyed that talking football segment. Uh, the one with that I'm waiting for with Rod though is tomorrow. Um, he's gonna. He and Ian are. We're starting a one called Football Theory. Yeah. And I'm interested. They're gonna talk about. I mean, I, I listened to a little bit of their texts back and forth and and whatnot about it. Should be fun for Texas fans to tune in and. They're gonna they're gonna try to guess a little bit about what other other teams are gonna try to do to Texas. I love and it. What Texas might try to counteract with? I think it's gonna be fun for people that are kind of football junkies, uh, so to speak. Okay, we got a uh, super chat here from Jimmy Trevino. Thank you, Jimmy. He says, "SA blend this morning. Thoughts on Josh Pate's take having our best case at twelve and zero. Most likely prediction eleven and one. Vince Young days, baby." <laughs> I mean, I, Bobby, I mean, I, I I don't know what to say to that. I mean, look, if Texas wins game two, everything's on the table, right? I mean, but, you know, still, um, 
this it, it's so hard for me to go to places like that because you know injuries are part of the game um you know so that that that's the thing for me is i, I kind of look at the first half of the season and the last half of the season look texas does not have the 1 through 85 roster that georgia and bama have had uh, in their run so you know that's a little tougher to predict so i kind of look at first half of the season last half of the season after OU game, where is Texas health-wise? Where is their confidence? Where is it look? What does it look like on both sides of the ball? Texas could be five and one at that point, and we could look at it and say, okay, this is a healthy football team. Quinn Ewers is much improved. Offensive line's a solid and pass pro. Uh, defensive line's getting more pressure without having to bring numbers all the time, and we have more playmakers in the secondary. If we're saying all those things after game six, then I could start to, to, to go down that, that type of path. But to me, that's why I split in the two seasons. Now, if Texas ever comes out with a Georgia loaded roster and a first-round pick at quarterback, I might be singing a different tune. I, I think, obviously, 12-0 is best case because, I mean, that's the best you can do. I, I think a most likely prediction of 11-1 is over overstated. I, I look, I think most likely is nine and three, 10 and two. I'll, I'll go on record just saying those are the two things that I, I think an outlier would be eight and four and an outlier would be 11 and one. Those are the, those are the, that's kind of where my, uh, you know, path of, of what I'm seeing this team looks like. I'm with you. Okay. Let's switch gears to recruiting for a second. Jerry, I'm going to give you this question from the inside Texas forums. It's from ST Law, and he says, who are the top defensive targets for the 2025 class? Top defensive targets, 2025 class. Um, let us go. Let me go to that real quick. I mean, obviously, there's going to be um, the defensive lineman in this class, Zion Williams in state. Zion Williams is a big one in state. And then Dylan Battle, a defensive line. That's where Texas, the state of Texas is better next year is in the defensive interior in the state. There have been some down years. Maybe there have been a couple of marquee names, but not as much depth. The 2025 class, there's a lot more depth at defensive line. DJ Sanders down at Belleville is another guy, but he might even be an offensive guard long-term that some colleges are thinking that. You know, we have to see kind of the edge position has to come up this season. I mean, Chad Woodfork at Summer Creek, Texas likes, he's coming off a knee injury. See how he is. Max Granville's kind of an undersized edge rusher. His dad played for the Oilers back in the day. He's got a lot of talent. All these guys have been on campus. Anthony Williams at Shadow Creek, an undersized edge rusher. Uh, Carmelo Brooks at Peyto. Those guys kind of have to come through, see if anybody emerges there. D-line in state, though. I mean, then Michael Riles is an edge guy. You know, is very talented at Port Arthur Memorial. Very talented. Got that high-end twitch, natural ability off the edge. He's got to develop as a pass rusher. He's got to develop technique-wise. But he's a guy, uh, Camorian Morgan at Red Oak as an edge. But the interior on the defensive line, I think with Dylan Battle, Zion Williams, Landon Rink, obviously there's three really good football players uh, to start on the defensive interior. Linebacker, there's some rangy guys, Jonah Wilson, Riley Pettijan, uh Pettijan out of McKinney. Uh, Jonah Williams out of Gallison Ball, both about 6'3", 200, 205. Got that range. Elijah Barnes, 6'3", 210, back out of Dallas Skyline. Linebacker's really good in Texas, too, next year. So if we're looking at it, the positions of strength are going to be interior defensive line, 
and linebacker. There's always DBs in the state of Texas. You can find those guys. But D-line's on the uptick next year in state. Uh, there's three really good targets there and linebackers on the uptick in state. Obviously, at corner, Devin Sanchez at North Shore is going to be your top guy. Kobe Sellers is another guy Texas really likes at Shadow Creek, who's got a lot of good young players. And then if you're looking safety in Texas, Javion Holiday at Duncanville is a really good player. Um, but Texas has a lot of offers out of state at that position right now. Hey, Jerry, where is Dylan Battle at? I know Zion Williams is at Lufkin because uh, Justin's going by to see him tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where's um, Dylan Battle at? Dylan Battle's at Mansfield Timberview where Andre Kojo uh, went to school. Uh, so that that's where he is at. And he is – Texas was the first, I believe, major school to offer him. Uh, Bo Davis and the staff kind of identified him early on tape and got that offer out to him. He's been on campus a couple of times since then. Gotcha. So that's another I-20 guy. Yeah. To be, you know, we, we talked about Texas wanting to emphasize that uh, up in the Dallas area. That's that's a big one then. Uh, Jerry, you mentioned uh, Cy Fair's Landon Rink. And we have a question here. David Rawls says, when does Rink commit? <laughs> yeah, you know, look, it, this is a – recruitment that's similar to Colton Vosick. This is a Texas OU battle. Um, and I think there's there's a little bit of surprise that maybe he hasn't committed to Texas yet. I think he's kind of, you know, waiting uh, early in this season and this season to kind of see how things shake out. I think he'll end up at Texas eventually. Uh, but I do think it's kind of a Colton Vosick recruitment right now. Uh, he, he likes both Texas and OU. Uh, obviously the parents went to Texas and I'll pick Texas to win it long-term, but when does he commit? We'll find out. I'm going to go watch side fair Friday. <laughs> All right. And then while we're on the subject of 2025, so we have a question from E Kim here and it says, Jerry, does choice go for Davison as the 2025 only running back take? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, look, they love Harlem Barry out of uh, Louisiana private school there in new Orleans. He's more of a really souped-up version of Keelan Robinson. I mean, like a very high-end version of Keelan Robinson. He's not a natural frame running back, uh, but he can absolutely go in space, uh, really good uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. So I, I think you're going to see Texas likely take two backs again um, because we'll see if all the – look, the thing, the thing that could dictate that is – does anybody go in the portal after this season? That's really what can push the number from one to two. Now, Jordan Davison, as, as far as your natural running back, i do not sure there's one better in the country. I love Jordan Davison. I think he could stack up with anybody. He does, Bobby. I don't know how much you've watched the Jordan Davison yet. He does a couple of things naturally that are really impressed me. Young backs that carry the ball outside hand going right and left. And he does it. He switches it in runs. That's a very good thing for a young back, especially got six foot two ten, and he's got to play through his hips on contact. He's got good contact bounce. He's got good vision. He runs with authority between the tackles, and but he does have enough quickness in the open field to make a couple of guys miss. But he's a eyes up ball in the outside shoulder back at a young age. I I, I can't say enough good things about him. As a young back, Tashard Choice has a type. Yeah, he actually has two types: run through tackle types, and guys that can get it on the outside. Trey Wisner get it yep. on the outside. 
Harlem Berry, get it on the outside. Yep. Jordan Davison, break tackles. Jarrett Gibson, break tackles. Christian Clark, break tackles. Tashar Choice has two types, in my opinion, because he's seen them both succeed in the NFL. Yeah. That, that's to, to Jerry's point. Uh, look, I, I'm not sure. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. He's had Steve Sarkeesian's had a lot of good recruits. Tashar Choice is one of his best recruits. Mm, yeah. No question. People need to remember this, Jerry. And you brought this up about a week, week and a half ago. Tashar Choice actually was at Georgia Tech before Texas and had taken the USC job for about a week. It hadn't been announced yet, I don't think. He went out and got a couple of in-and-out burgers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He went out there. Steve Sarkeesian went and got him to come come to Texas instead, and he has been an incredible addition to the Texas staff, not just from a recruiting perspective. The kids that play for him, they all – swear by him, you know, and so I'm, I, you know, Texas and running backs, I don't know who they're going to take and how it's going to work out. I I do know this, they're in really good hands, period. Yeah. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, we got some super chats we need to get to. This first one from Any Given Saturday. Jerry, you're going to like this. He says, I'm going to give you a game changer. Ralph's Mexican Bandits beef jerky. You can order it online. Putting it in my my notes right now because I won't remember that. (laughs) Beef jerky notes. Jerry, I will buy that for you. How about that? So I'll just get it. I'll get it sent to you. There you go. Beef jerky notes. (laughs) Done. Oh, man. All right, and we got another super chat, guys. This one from Jason Trimble. He says, not enough talk about the tandem of Thompson and Catalan. Catalan could could change the entire outlook of the secondary. Helps with the run game, too, against Alabama. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, look, I think Jalen Ford is a tremendous football player. I think if Jalen Catalan's healthy, he's the best player on the Texas defense. And, I, and I'm willing to take jump out there. People can say what they want. I'm not. I'm willing to throw it out there, man, and take my beating. I think Jalen Catalan is a total game changer if he's healthy. He's the only freshman All American on defense, Texas at Texas. You're talking about a guy that his first year starting as a college football player had 99 tackles and caused seven turnovers in the SEC West. That's pretty high-end stuff now, guys. Now, he's got to stay healthy. But if he does, I think he's a total game-changer, and uh, in, in, he might be the best all-around player on the Texas defense. Between those two, Jerry, I think they've started something like 40 games. Yep. You tell me when in life that experience at secondary doesn't matter to a defense. I mean, especially at safety. Yeah, I mean, those are guys that keep the ball from going over the top. Those are guys that support the run game. 
Um, and between Bug and, and Catalan, both of them have a lot of starting experience uh, and some ability as well. I thought Bug played much better last year. I mean, he had a, he had a average to below average sophomore year when he was thrust into some starting duty. Last year, I thought he had a good year. I think he's going to be even better this year. So add him to, to Jalen Catalan. And I, I think Texas will have the best safety duo in the Big 12. So how good is that nationally? Not sure. Okay, we got a, another super chat here. This one from Football Junkie, guys. And he says, when will Sark release the depth chart for the Rice game? So based on his comments, Blake, on uh, Monday morning, uh, Sark will likely do that Monday of game week. Uh, he said he still wanted to go through the mock scrimmage uh, on Saturday. So what Texas, and, and this is good, good thing to mention, they're basically going to go down in distance and run down the field, and it'll be about substitutions on Saturday. They won't be necessarily hitting. They'll run plays, but it'll be against, it'll be non-contact to the ground, that sort of stuff. They'll kick field goals in situations, uh, and it'll be a mock uh, practice or mock scrimmage in that way. Uh, and then they'll come out. And I think that he'll has a, ha, he'll have his first press conference of game week on Monday. And I expect that depth chart to go out on Monday in conjunction with that. Hey guys, I want to, I want to, I'm going to run through something real quick on Jalen Callen. So just so people know, I'm not just hyping this up for Kool-Aid. Okay. This year, this is Jalen Catalan in 2020 when he was hundred percent healthy. Nine tackles, forced fumble, fumble recovery against Georgia. 13 tackles against Mississippi State. 14 tackles against Auburn. Nine tackles and an interception of fumble recovery against Ole Miss. 12 tackles and an INT against Tennessee. 12 tackles and an INT against Florida. 16 tackles against LSU. 10 tackles against Alabama. Guys, this dude is a badass if he's healthy. I'm just here to tell you. That's all against nationally ranked teams, several top 10 teams at the time when they played them. That's different level stuff. Without a doubt. Let's just hope he stays healthy. <laughs> very true, Jerry. Very true. All right, we got one more Super Chat we're going to knock out here. Boomer Beats. Thank you, Boomer. He says, is there a behind-the-scenes story with Micah Hudson? Roller coaster, then delay. If there is, will we ever get to know? At some point, yeah, when the recruitments are over, uh, a lot of that stuff tends to be talked about. Um, look, I think with Micah, the one thing I've always been told is when everybody thinks he's going somewhere, he tends to slow things down a little bit. Uh, but there's been some talk of this going all the way to the Under Armour game. None of the kids who have said that, that planned that, are actually going that the distance in, the, in recruiting this year. We'll see how long. This goes with Micah Hudson. I think Texas Tech is still a pretty heavy favorite. But, look, if it carries on deep into the season, um, then I think Texas Tech would have some some nervous uh, moments with this recruitment. Okay. Well, thank you, Boomer. We appreciate the super chat. This next question, guys, is from David Gilbert. He says, we hear that our defense is getting the better of our offense quite often, and some fans get concerned that our offense may not be quite ready for the season. Does the defense for Alabama and Georgia normally get the better of their offense? I don't know if y'all watched the Alabama uh, spring scrimmage two years ago before they came to DKR last year. Alabama had the returning Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young last year. 
they did that offense did not score until the fourth quarter. So, so yes, defense quite often gets the better of the offense if you have a good defense. That if you don't have a good defense, the defense doesn't often get the better of the offense. So I would say yes on Alabama and Georgia, although I would imagine Georgia was pretty they were pretty stout on offense last year, too. I mean, so look, I, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, look, Alabama is going to throw Jaheim Otis 360, Tim Smith 335, and athletic on the Texas interior. Texas interior has got to be ready to roll in the run game now. It's going to be physical coming at them in that game from the interior. Uh, and then that, you know, you know, that's before you get to the guys coming off the edge. They have, they're a little young at linebacker, but they're very talented at linebacker. Deontay Lawson, Jihad Campbell, those dudes are absolutely ballers. Um, but I think it's going to be a key for Texas is going to be an interior offensive line against those 675 pounds of combined football players. Now, Jerry, you mentioned the running game. Uh, this next question from Texas Horns reads, any chance the running game gets ahead of schedule due to the lack of concern by opponents with the moving on of Bijan and Roshan Johnson? I, I think it's a great question, Bobby. I mean, I might be wrong, but here, here's here's how, what I kind of see playing out. If I'm Texas, I want to have down-the-field success throwing the football against Rice. I want to say, okay, we, we have the ability to go down the field and make big plays from tight end to wide receiver to wide receiver to wide receiver. If you can do that, then I, I think it's going to change the way teams have to look at defending Texas. Last year, te teams didn't have to defend Texas that way, or they didn't have to be worried about that. But if you have multiple guys making plays down the field, that's going to make your run game better as the season goes on to me. I mean, I, it's a simple way to say it, but sometimes this stuff can be simple. The more vertical success Sarkeesian's offense has, the tougher it is to stop the run game. Bobby? I definitely think they're going to make Texas uh, run the ball effectively with Jonathan Brooks. So you will see teams double Xavier Worthy. You will see teams try to double A.D. Mitchell. Um, this isn't a bad – this is this isn't a bad idea if you're the opponents, Right. How is Texas going to beat me? Well, I'm in my most concerned with Xavier Worthy, Quinn Ewers, and A.D. Mitchell just getting flanker screens and stuff like that that gets them going. Or do I am I concerned about guys like Kelvin Banks and uh, uh, D.J. Campbell and Christian Jones in the run game? You know, how is Texas going to? I, I, I think this is a it's interesting, and and we don't know the answer yet, Jerry. And and part of that reason is we we haven't seen what. Quinn Ewers has or hasn't matured into. Right. And I can I can only think and hope that we see a better Quinn Ewers 10 games from now than we do in one game, in game one, right? And so as he sees different things for the first time, hopefully he's ready to go on those. I, I think this is a good question because it, it it's more of that we talked about the strategy, right, of football and it being a chess match, not necessarily checkers sometimes. This is more of what he's getting into, and I, I agree with him uh, quite a bit. Actually. I've seen a lot of comments, and it just made me think. We've had a few today in the last couple of weeks. Texas is going to go drop 35, 42 points at Bama. 
I'm going to go back and see how many times teams have done that at Alabama in a game, off scored that many points at Alabama under Nick Saban. I'm not – if Texas did that, that would be probably otherworldly in the Nick Saban era, honestly. I'm sure a couple of teams have done it because it's an offensive game, but I know many, 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 many really good teams have gone in there and haven't come away with much. I think too many, Jerry, have done it of late, and that's why he changed defensive coordinators. Yeah. I, that's what I think. And so I'm – I'm really interested in what he does this year um, on defense. If there's – because he he's – you know he's leaning on Bill Belichick for what he's going to do on defense, right? I mean, yeah. you all know that. We all do. And so what's Belichick doing that, to combat the modern offenses in the NFL? Like Rod talked about positionless football a little bit, right? So uh, it, it'll be interesting. Hey, should we talk about that uh, offensive uh, depth chart? Kind yeah, of absolutely. If you want to, I, I, I wrote this down, Jerry, yeah. just, just to, to give you a couple of notes. Um, no real surprises um, for, for Eric's rough draft of the, of what he thinks the offense, uh, the depth chart is guys. Uh, the left guard, our right guard is DJ Campbell. The starting receivers are worthy Mitchell and Whittington as expected R- starting running back, Jonathan Brooks. Um, I do want to say this. I had a chance to talk to someone uh, last night that's been uh, inside the program, uh, Cedric Baxter, that him being a better running back just from two weeks ago is legitimate. Yeah. So he is ascending. Jonathan Brooks is your starter. Let, let's be that clear. Let's be clear on that. Uh, left guard, uh, Neto is still backing up. Um, uh, Hayden Connor at this point and expected to be named the starter. That being said, Cole Hudson is working both positions. We do believe Cole Hudson is the true backup center. So if they actually go into a situation where it's right guard, center, left guard, and Cole Hudson comes in, you could actually see Hudson and Neto on the field at the same time, kind of in that rotation that Kyle Flood talked about in the offseason. One thing to note, uh, Casey Kane, I thought this was interesting, is the backup at this point to um, A.D. Mitchell, not Isaiah Nayor. Nayor is on the flip side, although we think... Let's make sure Let's make sure we say this is a projection. Yeah, this projection. Official. Yeah, 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 projection. But the point being that Texas is moving its wide receivers around quite a bit to get the best guys on the field. So that, that's the grouping right now. Uh, I'm... It kind of... It's coming out to the way we kind of expected it, Jerry. I mean, maybe left guard, we kind of put a circle around it. Maybe center, we put a circle around it. But three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we looked at it and said, no, center's set. Now it's right guard, left guard. Right guard came out the way we expected. Left guard, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Okay, guys, we have a good question here from Brian Brunson. He says, y'all talked about some about the confidence level you have in positions, but what good are question. your confidence levels of the position coaches? It's a great question. Hey, wh- why don't we take one or two on each side of the ball, yeah. Gary? I, I, I've already mentioned to Shard Choice in this this uh, live stream, so let's take that one off, off the table, really. Um, I think that... Uh, Kyle Flood's resume kind of speaks for itself, right? Numerous first-round picks, uh, production in the NFL and beyond. Uh, so very, very, very good there. Jeff Banks, 
He's interesting because he's not only the tight ends coach, he's also a special teams guy. Uh, A.J. Milwee is with Steve Sarkeesian at quarterbacks. I mean, what have they done? Oh, I don't know. Three first-round picks. I mean, four, whatever it is. Um, uh, so th that group on offense, Chris Jackson came to Texas from the NFL as the wide receivers coach. I mean, what else do you want, right? Yeah. I mean, so the offensive staff as a whole is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Uh, Jerry, you take defense. Instead of just one or two, you take defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defense, um, look, I, I think Bo Davis obviously has a resume of development on the interior, right? I think that I think he's done a great job developing guys. I think you're starting to see that. Uh, you know, even guys that will play some maybe limited snaps this year. Dre Bledsoe's coming on. Aaron Bryant can really anchor against the run. The development of Byron Murphy, Sweat, and some of those guys. Uh, I think you're seeing that. I think that's in really good hands. Um, I, I think Jeff Choate's done an amazing job with the linebackers. Um, look, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if that guy was in the NFL one day as a linebackers coach, right? Um, so I think he's done a great job. I'm going to name all of them. Uh, I, but I, I want to mention special teams. I'm, I, find me a better duo than Jeff Banks and Joe D. Camillus on a staff. I mean, now that's high-level stuff. So I know we just talk about offensive and defense a lot, but special teams – was already great under really good to great under Banks. Now you bring in a 30-year NFL guy. And I think special teams even goes to another level this year, Bobby. I Jerry, I actually have a nugget here to drop in this uh this uh, chat. I was talking to someone, like I said yesterday, hang time from Ryan Sanborn has been significantly better than expected. If that's the case, and with the guys they have on coverage, I would bet you're not gonna see many punts returned against Texas this year. Well, so, and look, we talked about Sam, we talked about Sanborn because not to go on a five-minute rant about punters, but it's important. <laughs> when you're punting in the Bay Area, it's wetter, marine layer conditions, and the ball doesn't hang in the air as long and you don't get as much distance. He's now kicking in Texas. So if the guy averaged 41, 42, 43 at different times in his career at Stanford, What's he going to do at Texas? Just something to consider there. I, I think you're going to see his numbers go ascend a little. But I'm not talking 47 yards a kick. Don't get me wrong. He's not Shane Leckler, okay, or Michael Dixon. But I could see you uptick in the 43-44 this year just because of the weather conditions he's finding in. Okay, guys, we got a couple of super chats that just came in. I want to get to real quick and – Apologize if I butcher this. Uh, S. Hovery says, off topic, but India just achieved a soft landing of a spacecraft on the South Pole of the Moon. You guys do an amazing job with content. Keep it up. My wife wonders how there's so much discussion daily about just one team. Is that the is that the sign for a rupee? Do y'all yes. know that? That's you see that yes. sign there? Yeah, that's not US dollars, that's rupees, I think. That's interesting. No, thanks and congratulations to India or whomever uh, is doing space exploration and, and that kind of stuff. Cause I think that's cool. I mean, places that we've never been in as humanity, we mentioned, we mentioned this with the Kevin L type thing, Jerry and Blake, you really think about guys that make a difference in this world. Somebody that has the wherewithal to lead a university that then brings a major cancer research slash facility to central Texas, that guy, whether he, I know it's gonna. It's nice that they sign a big check and it starts and all. That dude, Kevin Eltife, saved lives by creating that hospital, most likely. Yeah, 
I mean, that. so congrats to India as a country, et cetera, uh, or whomever. So uh, my, my point being, uh, I just love when people are out there testing the limits a little bit and trying to move us all forward, right? For sure. I'm a big space nerd too, so I think that kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're Star Trek. Come on now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't like Star Trek. No, I don't want me. By the way, I got to give Blake. I, I got to give Blake props. I like the Dallas Mustangs hat. No, no. no uh, Is that not the Marucci. Mustangs? Marucci. We left the Mustangs. Oh, that's Marucci. That's Marucci. <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble by my son, Jerry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> hey, for those that don't know, Blake's son is a very talented freshman baseball player on the radar of a number of colleges already. No okay. pressure. <laughs> no, no, no pressure. O2 curveballs. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. He's actually shared with us some baseball recruiting letters his son's yeah. getting, by the way. So hat good luck to your son, Blake, by the way. I think everybody Thank in the chat it. says the same. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. And I know he does as well. Okay. We got a super chat here from D Herring five. And he says, piggybacking off that last question from earlier, Lane Kiffin is averaging 31 points per game against Bama. I think we will be somewhere in that ballpark. Whew. Well, what's the number on the road at Bama though? I mean, that to me, that's the whole thing. The game's at Alabama. So I, I, I that's kind of what I will, um, want to look up is what's the how many times have people put up 30 plus at bama on that? hey jerry i know johnny manzel did one time i believe hey, jerry this is a good point remember defensive coordinator in the in the sec said that lane kiffin and told told you this because i remember oh, yeah. you laying this story to me he said that lane kiffin was the hardest to to go up against during the covid year when Lane Kiffin didn't have any crowd noise. Right. Because he could check the lines, he could do everything, and he could get his calls in home or away. He was the toughest guy in the league because he could get guys in and out of plays uh, so well. Kiffin's a good offensive mind. Yeah, guy. yeah. Look, this is a great defensive coordinator in the SEC. He told me Sark's the best game planner Lane, that he's gone against. Lane Kiffin's the best play caller in a game that he's gone against. I thought that was interesting take on those two guys from a guy who's as good as you'll see as a college defensive coordinator who's also in the SEC. Let's go to the flip side of that. The question from Corey J says, does the defense need to hold Bama to 21 or less to win? Absolutely. That's the path to victory, in my opinion. That is the path. I mean, 27. What was the score last year? 2019. Ugh. But but that's yeah. the point, right, Jerry? Yeah. 2019 with Bryce Young. This year, no Bryce Young breaking a new quarterback, but home game. Yeah, 21 to 24. Or 2017, 17, 27. I mean, something like that. I, I think that's absolutely the recipe, Corey. And, and, you know, I think Texas has the defense to do that if they can contain the quarterback. We were we, we were laughing the other day, Arch Manning running and, and leaving people behind at a fifty yard one a fifty yard run. I guarantee you, Jalen Milrow can do the same, and that is one of the reasons why Steve Sarkeesian in both press conferences now since that uh, happened has mentioned containing the quarterback run game. Jerry, you noticed that too. We talked about it. 
Yeah, because uh, one of the things is Texas wants to play more man. And the only way you play more man is if you're disciplined in your rush lanes. It's the only way it happens. People think about the coverage in man, but it starts by being disciplined in your front seven. Hey. If, you're not, if you're not disciplined in your lanes, you can't play as much man as you want to. Ideally. That's where high effort guys like Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke are going to be important. Yeah. You can't have just one sack wonders out there. You have to have high effort guys. And I, I'm, it sounds like I know Sorrell is that. We know that, right? From proof. It sounds like, uh, based on what Sark said the other day, he feels that, that Burke exceeds that, that, uh, that uh, moniker or, or whatever you want to call it as well. Okay. This question was asked yesterday, but we didn't get to get to it. Uh, Bobby, the goat that says, who is the better athlete overall Overshone or Anthony Hill? I, I got an opinion on that one. So I think athletes, two different things in this regard in for this question, there's testing athlete and there's football pad athlete. You know, I'll never forget that when Barry Norton at Texas High years ago told me about Ryan Mallett, RIP, that Ryan Mallett wasn't a fast athlete, but he was a very good athlete. Okay, so I that's always stuck with me for years in this business, the way Barry Norton described his quarterback and a couple other guys he had come through that program. And I think Overshone would test better than Anthony Hill. But I think Anthony Hill's instincts are so tremendous that he may be a better mover in a game, if that makes sense, Bobby. I, I mean, Dat Wynn didn't test as well as many linebackers, but in a game, he played faster and was in a better position than the majority of linebackers that played in his era. I like Anthony Hill on this because he's a powerful athlete. DeMarvian is more athletic, like rangy, kind of loose-limbed. I think powerful athletes. It's like, I, and this is a bad explanation, perhaps, but Michael Jordan was the maybe the greatest athlete that ever played basketball or definitely the best, one of the best players. He was more that smooth athlete. LeBron James is more that power athlete. Yeah. So which one is the better athlete? If, if you're looking for power, it's LeBron James. If you're looking for skill and athleticism, you're, you're talking about um, uh, Michael Jordan. Okay, so that's basketball. Football is a different sport fundamentally than basketball. It relies more on power, right, than basketball, which is skill. So for football, I would say Anthony Hill. That's my point. Okay, we got time for... Just a couple more questions, guys. This one from Elaine Roker says, does Jonathan Brooks have an NFL future? If he stays healthy, there's no doubt. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's an NFL back or else he wouldn't be ahead of Keelan Robinson and Cedric Baxter right now. Period. No doubt. Uh, guys, okay. Baxter's legit. I'm just going to, based on what I heard last night. He's legit. I, I, for guys, we have so many new people in the comments uh, in these in these in watching this. I want to say this about Cedric Baxter before he ever plays a game. Doing this as long as I have, when I went to Edgewater last year, and Cedric Baxter, and I've watched the tape, I'd seen him, I've, I've seen all that. 
This is what impressed me most about Cedric Baxter in high school. When I went to Edgewater and he was out with a minor hamstring injury that caused him to miss five games, he's the number one ranked running back in the country, five-star, blah, 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 blah. He wasn't standing on the sidelines during practice at the uh, drinking water, hanging out, uh, just chatting it up. The guy was literally in the huddle with his team every play that was run at that two-hour practice I was at. He was there coaching the backup running back. He was part of the team. He was very present. That impressed me more than anything that guy could do on the field. And he's very good on the field because he's engaged. It means something to him. He is driven. He is focused. He loves football. Just think about that and remember that when we start to see Cedric Baxter on the field. I think those qualities are going to come out, and I think that's why he's adjusting so fast to this college game because whatever Tashard Choice tells him matters. He doesn't think he has all the answers. He's learning as talented as he is. A lot of these kids are slow to learn when they're that talented. This guy wants to be really, really good at football. Love the guy. I, they, they, the comment to me was pass protection. He, he, like he apparently, I, I'll relay this. He had a run in with Jalen Ford in one on ones. Uh, that was a pass rush drill, and that typically favors the defense because the defense knows they're coming, and that the offense has to react to it. And it was a stalemate. He said it was one of the loudest pops you'll hear in practice. So. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean Cedric Baxter's perfect in pass protection. By the way, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to get people that excited, but he's a willing pass protector. At a hey, young Bob, age. Bobby, I asked you this a question the other day. We'd have to sit there and think about it. You ever covered a running back from Florida that wasn't physical? <laughs> no, I haven't either. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Jarrett Gibson, you saw him. He's physical. He put a knee in somebody's chin. Those dudes are physical running backs in that state. Just think about the guys that have come out of that state. Okay, guys, last question for today. It comes from Mike Bean. He says, what are the most skilled offenses Texas will face this season? I think Kansas State will be one. I think Kansas will be one. Kansas State, because not only Will Howard, but also the the running back that rushed for 1,000 yards for Florida State, Joining them, um, TCU uh, did a good recall on the receivers they got out of the portal. Uh, J. Paul Richardson, the guy from uh, Bucky Richardson, very good player. from Oklahoma State, was a productive receiver. He is the he's going to be where he's supposed to be every single play and provide them the their offense and outlet. After that, um, after TCU, Kansas, and K State. Texas Tech, Texas Tech has some level of skill out there. Yeah, they do, but maybe not with the others, right? right. Um, it's interesting. Okay. Well, Bobby, why don't you give us a quick rundown of what, what's coming up and what you got going on today? Yeah, absolutely. we got a bunch of content going up on InsideTexas.com uh, later today. Uh, Eric and I are going to do the state of the program today. Uh, but first up uh, on, on Texas football – will be the recruiting breakdown with Jerry and Justin talking about a number of different recruiting topics I think you're going to like. That'll be out later uh, as well. Uh, but by and large, uh, we're 10 days away, guys, uh, from football season. And uh, I can smell it. Hey, there's, there is high school football 
in Texas tomorrow night. Yep. So football season is officially here. That includes Daniel Cruz's first game tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah. He's going to be mauling people tomorrow night about seven oh five. Jerry, you're you're in uh, you're out in the Golden Triangle later today. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm leaving uh, Lafayette right uh, after this show. After I post a story on Inside Texas, and I'm headed out to the Golden Triangle on the way back. I think I may go to Port Natchez Groves, Britt. Uh, uh, go see a Jackson Christian 2025 offensive lineman. May swing by Beaumont United, see Weston Davis. May stop at Port Arthur Memorial, see Michael Riles. They have a 2026 linebacker. That the Port Arthur Memorial staff is saying maybe the best player they've had, prospect they've had since Jamal Charles. And when they said that, I was kind of like, whoa. Uh, so I, I think I need to go see Tyon King. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do too. That's a whoa time. moment, Bobby. You're like, hmm. I mean, they've had a lot of dudes now. <laughs> hey, Britt, I'm on my way. <laughs> hey, Jerry, real quick. We had a question last night, and I, I wrote a note to make sure to get to it today, so better late than never. But uh, people are wanting to know what high school games you might be attending or keeping an eye on this weekend. I'll, I'll probably be at SciFair Bridgeland Friday, see Trey Owens, Landon Rink, 2025 offer, Jonte Newman. I really want to see Trey Owens as a senior early in the season. He didn't get out to, you know, he wasn't in the Elite 11 finals, didn't do all the quarterback camps and stuff that some of the guys do. So I'm interested to see his progression, Landon Rink playing with about 15 more pounds on him. Um, but obviously, hey, I won't get to see it. I'll DVR it. But KJ Lacey is on the ESPN Family and Networks Friday night against Lipscomb Academy, who Bobby saw play against IMG last week. KJ Lacey, season opener. That means Ryan Williams, who's one of the best receivers I've seen in years. And Antonio Coleman, a 2025 D tackle from Saraland High that Texas has offered. Uh, 6'2", about 280, really powerful young kid. Uh, so for those that are at home, find that ESPN channel, probably ESPN2 or ESPNU, where KJ Lacey's playing Friday night. And I will rewatch that one on Saturday. Okay. Well, there you have it. Well, guys, unless you have anything else, I think that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. Uh, we'd like to thank... All, all of you for tuning in. Of course, we want to thank all of our Super Chats as well. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Ring the bell so you can get notified of any time we post a new video. And then head on over to InsideTexas.com uh, for all the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage, recruiting, team news, whatever it may be, it'll be covered there. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.